Good morning. So we are in this series called Whatever. We started it last week. And uh, it's based on a verse in Philippians chapter 4, Philippians 4 verse 8. I'll read it to you in just a moment. But Paul has written this, and Paul is doing what Paul does, which is he's encouraging the church. He's um, calling them to be people who are, have a firm foundation in Scripture, that Jesus is the focus, that everything is, is looking at the Savior of the world through Jesus Christ. And he gives them in verse 8 kind of the structure of, hey, think about these things that are these attributes of God. They're characteristics of God, actually. It's not just like, hey, these are really good, but like these are godly characteristics. And he develops like a boundary for them. And, and I said last week that it's, it's interesting because we don't often think of freedom and boundaries going together, but in fact, we live into the freedom that Christ gives us when we operate within these boundaries. And so Paul's just saying, hey, think about these things. Focus on th- these things. As followers of Christ, think about these. And so here's what verse 8 says. Paul's writing, he says, finally, brothers and sisters, and this is where we get why we're calling this series whatever. He says, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So he's saying, put your focus on these things. These are things of God. As a follower of Jesus, this is where our minds should be focused. Now, there are other places in Scripture where we find this call for our mind to be be focused on on God. You can look these up later. In Mark chapter 12, we find that that our focus, our, our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength should be on loving who God is. Loving who he is. And, and, you know, when we do the interchange here with God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, it's the triune God, the holiness, the deity of it. And so it's to focus our heart, our mind, and our soul and our strength on God. In 1 Corinthians 2 and also in Philippians 2, um, we are told to have the mind of Christ and to be focused on the things that he focused on which is what Paul's writing about. I mean, so you see the, the connection here about our mind, what we're supposed to be focused on, and this is why Paul is writing this. He's wanting the church to have a solid foundation so that when things come up, when teachings or uh, sayings or uh, new ways or whatever comes along, that the church has a foundation in which to stand on and to know, okay, is this of God or is it not? Is this of the Lord or is it not? Is this in in line with Scripture or is it not? So they would have a firm understanding. And the very first whatever that Paul mentions, and last week I pointed out that often when we use the word whatever, sometimes it's dismissive, like, oh, whatever, I'm not hearing you anymore, I I don't hear what you have to say, whatever. And then sometimes it's permissive and it's like, ah, whatever. And those are not what Paul was saying. He, He was saying, no, these are holy whatevers. And the very first one he mentions is that for we are to focus on whatever is true. Whatever is true. And um, my goodness, if this is the, of all the ones, of all these words, this is the one that is the most debated because what you say is true, I might not. What someone else says is true, it might be a total, complete falsehood to you. 
You know, we talked about that in, in our last series in Toxic Theology about this, this whole thing about truth. So let me say this up front because uh, I think it's important to say, and the, the fact that you're here in church, you shouldn't be surprised with what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it just to make sure we have like a home base to come back to, okay? Truth. When I talk about truth or when I talk about the word true today, what I'm telling you is, and what I mean is this, is that truth, real truth, it begins and ends with the person of Jesus Christ. God fulfilled all his promises through Jesus Christ. So every word he spoke is true. When we fail, <laughs> he is still good. Everything begins and ends. So all this, when I talk about truth, it begins and ends with the person of Jesus. Nothing and no one else can even come close to defining truth, God's truth, the way that Jesus does. So it all centers around that. So I just want to make that clear. I'm going to look at a couple of places uh, in Scripture this morning besides what I've already mentioned. In John chapter 14, uh, verse 6, I mentioned this a few weeks ago actually, but I want to come back to it because we find this word truth. Jesus says these words, verse 6 of John 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So when I look at that passage, and leave that up there if you would, because if Jesus is life, and that's what Jesus said, that he's life, that's what I believe. If Jesus is life, then that means that anything that is not of Jesus ultimately leads to death, separation from God. And if Jesus is the way, and that's what he says he is, and that's what I believe he is, if Jesus is the way, then anything, anything off the path of Jesus will lead, well, nowhere for the time being, but eventually death, separation from God. And if Jesus is the truth, which he says right here that he is, and I believe that he is, if he is the truth, then anything outside of him, contrary to him, is a lie. Which ultimately leads, if we stay on that path, <laughs> that way of thinking, to death, separation from him. So truth is a person, and his name is Jesus. In our last series that we did, Toxic Theology, um, we talked about, and I don't know if I use this as an example, but you know, like kind of there's this ever-moving needle that's pointing to truth in our culture, in our world. Maybe there's been times in your life when you thought, you know, you were like, oh no, this is true, and then you realized later, you're like, nope, no, this is true. But they're, like we live in a world where it's like, this is truth, and it's like, oh no, but did you read that book that that, that person just put out? Oh, okay, so here's truth. Or, oh, did you, did you see, you know, that post that someone made? Oh, okay, so this must be truth now. And it's just like the, the dial, is, uh, you know, the, the needle on the dial is just everywhere in regard to what people believe to be truth. And it's, it's that whole relativism I talked about, that whole, okay, I'm living my truth. This is my truth. And your truth might not be my truth. And that's okay because we all got truth. But no, it's not okay. Paul says we should focus on what is true. And according to Scripture, Jesus is the indicator of truth. 
He's the indicator of truth. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. If you're a psychology person or a sociology person, um, maybe even some of you like marketing people. Um, but there's this term called the illusory truth effect. Uh, it might, there's also known as like the repetition truth effect. But here's the deal with this, this thing. Hang with me for a minute. We're talking about what is true. And whether you've heard of this illusory truth effect or not, you, like me, have been affected by this. And here's how I know. Okay, you ready? I have four examples. You only use 10% of your brain. Eating carrots improves your eyesight. Vitamin C cures a common cold. And crime in the United States is at an all-time high. And none of those statements are true. Some of you are like, oh, I know that's true. I'm going to Google that. I'm going to get out the Google machine, find that. It's not there because I even checked it yesterday morning just to double check and make sure. None of those are true, but the illusory truth effect is this. It equates repetition with truth, that we hear something so often, so many times, often from different sources, that eventually our brain, because it's familiar with the information, goes, ah, it's true. I know some of you are still going, no, I think some of those are true. They're not true. The closest one, the closest one is the whole carrot thing. And here's the deal with that. Carrots have vitamin A in them, and they're just to be helpful for your vision. If you have a deficiency in vitamin A, and really it just helps you with night vision, and actually mostly just helps women with night vision, okay? So eating a whole bunch of carrots doesn't give any of us x-ray vision. It's just if you have a deficiency, it'll bring you up to that level. But once you have had all the carrots, it's not going to go any further than that. It's the closest one that's even kind of true. But the, the illusory truth effect is we've heard it, and we've heard it, and we've heard it, because some of you are still right now doing the dip going, I'm still going to find it because I think it's true. The illusory truth effect. And it equates repetition with truth. And here's, <laughs> you might uh, be like me and think, I am way too rational to be swayed by just somebody repeating something a whole bunch to the point that I start to receive it as truth. Researchers have found repeatedly, repeatedly, that familiarity with something overrides rationality. So if we hear it enough, if we're familiar with it that much, eventually it overrides our rational thinking, going, no, that can't be true. There was a study done, and they showed this picture over and over again to a group of people, the college people, so edu you know, somewhat educated people, and they showed them a picture of a, a, a man wearing a kilt, right? The Scottish, you know, the tartan plaid, you know, thing. And in the study, they kept referring to that um, as when they would show a picture, like they showed different pictures. When they showed the picture of the man in the kilt, they did a bunch of true things. And then the one with the kilt, they said, the man is wearing a sari, S-A-R-I, which is a, another, it's like a, I think it's like an Indian... Um, the garment that women wear, am I correct? Is that, yeah, and so, but they kept referring to it as a sari and a sari. And they did this uh, test on this, and over and over again, that's how they referred to it. This is this, and this is this, and then the picture of the kilt would come up, and it's a sari. And eventually, educated, smart people, when they would go through the list and do the quick quiz, they were calling it a sari. 
Familiarity overrides rationality. This whole thing, I'm talking about truth, friends. The illusory truth effect. Our brains are made to receive truth. Our brains have been wired to know what truth is and to take this truth in. And what is Paul doing in Philippians 4, verse 8? He is saying, focus your mind on these things. Whatever is true, focus on those things. Because there's going to be falsehoods. There's going to be lies. There's going to be half-truths. There's going to be partial information. There's going to be something that's like a little bit, you know, like the whole vitamin A and carrot thing that's going to come your way. And you need to know the difference as a follower of Christ. You need to be able to discern the difference between what is true and what is not. The illusory truth effect, the The more you hear a statement, you hear a phrase, you hear about an ideology. Maybe you hear something, a toxic theology. And the more you hear it, the more you hear it. Without our mind focused on who God is, it can become real. Something that was false can become true in our mind. And that's that whole dial thing. I mean, have you ever, (laughs) I know you have, (laughs) Have you ever received the same information as another person? Maybe you're watching the news and it's about politics. And you and the other person don't quite jibe on on politics. But you hear the same information and one of you goes, yep. And the other one goes, nope. And, here's, and do you think to yourself, how in the world could they believe that? And you know what they're thinking? How in the world could they deny that? And the reason is, is because somewhere in the middle of all that is the actual truth. But because our minds are open up to, to take in information that we're familiar with and that we want to go ahead and, and like, you know, build up what we already believe, we just take it all in and go, okay, I've heard it enough, I've heard it enough. You know, I, we, I've heard the talking points so many times, I believe that to be true. The illusory truth effect. We've talked um, in the last several weeks about the, the theological divide that we see in the United Methodist denomination. And, and to me, as I was studying up on the illusory truth effect, it, it's almost like a case study. The United Methodist Church, the denomination, and what it's going through right now, actually what it's been going through for several decades, but it's just more and more and more and more, to me is a case study in the illusory truth effect. Almost a hundred years ago, before it was even United Methodism, it was just, uh, well, about, about 98 years ago, modernism came on the scene. Modernism. Modernism is just the predecessor to progressivism, it's pretty much the same thing, just the, the name is different, kind of shifts. So modernism comes on the scene, right? And here's what modernism does, is it, it comes on, and, and one of the things that it did and it influenced in regard to faith, is that modernism said, okay, anything, scripture, the Bible, it must be so incredibly, it should be highly critically read. Like you should not take it literally, it should be extremely critically observed. And on the flip side, this is what modernism was saying, so very, very critical of scripture as you read it, 
But in regard to science, modernism was saying, you don't have to be critical about that at all. Take whatever information comes at you. Whatever information science puts out there, receive it. This is what modernism was doing. So things of faith, be very critical of, be you know, almost suspicious of. Things of science, take it all in. And, and not only that, but along with the science was also anything that logic, human logic, modernism was like, sure, bring it on in. That's good. And so this became like this, this entered into the way people were thinking. This entered in the way that, you know, uh, in colleges, undergrad, in seminaries. Um, and this, this modernistic mindset, this progressive mindset just kind of got in there. It kind of seeped in there. And, and things like this, <laughs> in the books and everything that was written, I mean, it was crazy. Like denominational leaders, all this. This is some of the stuff that the modernists uh, was saying, um, the first one just, well, they all are crazy, but um, the first one was that, that Wesleyan doctrine, like the doctrines of grace, the doctrines of uh, the atonement of Jesus Christ, that the, that teaching, it needed to be corrected. This is what modernists said, because it was too focused on the need for repentance of sin. <laughs> okay, well... Um, another, another one, this was, this one's, yeah. Um, a modernist would say that children in regard to faith didn't need to have like an actual conversion, like a young person, they could just go to church and they would just grow up Christian. Like it just, uh, osmosis, I don't know what, how that happens. And then, I mean, I kind of already said this, but I'll just say it again, is the modernist would say that, that uh, someone's faith in a, in a God, in a higher power, it has to fit within science. It has to fit within the understanding of science, not the other way around. See, a lot of, most people would say if you're a person of faith, that science fits into your faith. Like, it, you don't try and fit your faith into science. I mean, that's, you get into all those, you know, things about the age of the earth and evolution and all those things. It's like, no, your faith has to fit into whatever scientists say. This is what modernism was doing, and it's just, it's progressivism. It's just the name that it went by that time. This is the, this is the illusory truth effect. Because untruths were spoken. They were repeated as truth. They were, untruths were spoken as truth, repeated as truth. They were heard as truth. They were written as truth. They were read as truth. They were taught as truth. They were believed as truth. And repetition, 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 it over and over and over again. Eating carrots will help your eyesight. And it became true. Science is bigger than God. Science can explain God. Fit God into science. We don't need to talk about repentance. God just loves every, everybody. You don't have to know Jesus, or you don't have to repent of your sin. You don't have to confess. You don't have to, to um, you know, call on his name and, and declare him to be the son of God. No, 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 just come on in. That's, that was modernism. And this is exactly why Paul said... That our mind should be focused on whatever is true. Because the example, like I said, the case study of our current denomination is in a, in a state where 
that there have been a lot of people over many, many, many decades and they've been put in leadership positions and in places of authority and, and writing and publishing and all this stuff and, and it, their mind has not been focused on whatever is true because it's not lining up with God's word. Paul says to focus our mind on what is true because when that happens, we're less susceptible to the, the repetitive falsehoods that could come our way. Here's a stark reality in, in our current context. Um, when you think about modernism and progressivism and, and the, the mindset that it has, um, apart from the ever-shrinking churches in Europe, the progressive churches in Europe, there are, there are no, n- zero groups worldwide of progressive Christians that are growing. There is no progressive Christian movement that is growing outside of the United States. So it's not like, oh, that must be the truth. Everyone's flocking to it. No, it's not. It's, it's not growing. It's, there, there are no groups that are, that it doesn't hold, these groups don't hold scripture in its proper primary place and, and they're reaping the reward of that, huh? lack thereof. On the other hand, talking about, so are, are we going to focus our mind on what is true? Churches that are in the tradition of evangelical Christianity, um, you know, orthodoxy, they are thriving right now in Africa, thriving, thriving. The gospel of Jesus is alive and well on the continent of Africa. In China right now, the, 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 the solid evangelical doctrines of the faith are thriving in, in underground hidden house churches in China today. Thriving in South America today. There's a um, little bit less than 6 million um, United Methodists in the United States and that number is just going down, 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 down. And currently the number is almost 6 million of Methodists in Africa, and it's going up, 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 up. And I'll tell you, the Methodism in Africa is not the Methodism that we're seeing in a lot of churches here in the United States. It's not. It's, it's the one that's focused on whatever is true we find in Africa. Paul said to focus on whatever is true. Whatever is true, not whatever, listen, not whatever our mind wants to be true, because that's, that's the struggle. That's the struggle. Our mind would like to tell us that some things are true that are absolutely not. Actual truth. And as I've said, that truth is a person of Jesus. It's revealed in Jesus, is made known through Jesus. See, here's, here's the deal. Every single day, and this, I know this might bum you out a little bit, but we'll get to the, the good part. Every single day, every day, countless, countless lies and temptations and half-truths, which are just lies, let's be real about that, bombard us. I mean, all the time. All the time. 
And truth is the only way we will ever be able to stand. And so Paul says, okay, if we know truth is the answer, let's focus on whatever is true. Like, if I just stand up here and tell you guys over and over again that we need to know truth, and you're like, yeah, but then we go out the door and our mind is not focused on whatever is true, then we are just, carrots are going to help us see better. Maybe there is another way to God. I know that because wow. Ooh, that's a big step there, Shannon. But it's, it's all the same. What is true? Paul says, keep your mind focused on what is true. By embracing what is true, we have the greatest deterrent to whatever lies come our way. Lies, they don't have a foothold when, when truth is present. And every single one of us, Every single one of us, without exception, there is no exceptions to, to what I'm about to say. Zero. This is the most inclusive statement I can ever, ever make. Every one of us, in light of who Jesus is, what is, what is shown and revealed is this. Every falsehood in our life, Every addiction, every dark thought, every hidden act, every deception, every hatred, every jealousy, every lust, every prideful part of who we are, every single sin-filled fiber, synapses, molecular part of who we are that encounters Jesus' truth, it is revealed for what it is, and it is false, and it is a lie. Every one of us, not just a couple of us, not just those people, every single one of us. Friends, we need Jesus. We need Jesus. We need the truth of Jesus Christ. We need it. We should be desperate for it. And Paul says, focus your mind on truth. On whatever is true, focus your mind on that. And I am so thankful that Jesus did not come to point out what I just pointed out. Like that wasn't his sole purpose. His sole purpose was not just to come and go, you are horrible. That's that's not what he came to do. He didn't come to point out all of our sin, all of the wrong, all the struggles, all the mistakes that we that they're inside each and every one of us. No, what he came to do, this is what Jesus came to do. He came to establish truth. He came to fulfill God's truth. God's not a liar. And he loves his people deeply, and he has made a way for us to be in relationship with him. And it's through Jesus Christ. Jesus came to establish truth. And not only that, not like a, hey, this is truth and you can never get there because you're never going to be good enough. Well, the reality is that's kind of true, but we can get there because he's made a way. He's made a way. He came to establish truth and then he invites us into this truth. Hmm. Paul says, focus on whatever 
is true. So I'm going to close out reading this very familiar passage in John chapter 3. And hear the truth as I read it. For this is how we know God loved the world. He gave his one and only son. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. Anyone who believes in him, there is no judgment. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son, truth. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light. Lies, falsehoods. For their actions were evil, and all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear that their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Oh, friends, Paul says, focus on whatever is true. Jesus is the truth. God's word is the truth. And though that light might be so bright that it's just like, I can't, I can't, it's, it's showing too much of who I am. Run to Jesus. Receive his forgiveness. Receive the pardon. Receive the hope. Receive the new life. Receive the promises. And then focus on whatever is true as you live that out. This is what we are called to. This is who we are as the people of God. Let's pray together. God, I pray that we would focus on whatever is true. I pray, God, that our focus would be on your son, Jesus Christ, and that we realize, we understand, we know, we grab a hold of, we hold firmly. We, we um, <laughs> maybe with... Um, Fear and trembling, we grab a hold of you and say, I've been so lost. I've been in the darkness. I've been separated from you. I've been apart from you. I have not been focusing on what is true. You are the truth, Lord God. And that our call, our prayer would be for Jesus to enter into our lives. And free us for joyful obedience. Those boundaries that you've given us. That we live in freedom. Defined by your truth. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to minister to us. Reveal those places that are so hidden and so way back in the back. 
that we just don't want to bring them to the light, but that we would. So we could live into your promises. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen.